seen you in forever how you doing yeah I'm, I'm doing good i've just been uh staying home a lot <laughs> I, no <laughs> you know <laughs> really why yeah i don't know I just, <laughs> just haven't felt like going outside lately you know what i i totally i'm the same way man i get that feel, i feel like everybody's doing that now i love mm. your instagram by the way because you shamelessly promote your cats and i don't know like i i love i mean it's it, the dedication to your cats is incredible i have a cat well too. there yes i've um exploited them on social media um uh to build up followers and they 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 always resented it but that was the subject of my book cats v conif when they sued yeah. me they sued me for defamation <laughs> But, That's incredible. Uh, but yeah, my my cats are the well. My unfortunately, my uh, other cat Barney passed away uh, earlier this year. But um, uh, Millie uh, is oh, still sorry, around, man. and uh, she still resents me for it. <laughs> as long I feel like cats' main uh, uh, mode of emotion is resentment, no matter yeah, what. Yeah, the re resentment, disdain, judgment. You know, yeah. Even when they're being like, uh, my cat loves to like. Uh, at nighttime, like just wherever I'm sitting, no matter where I am in the house, he'll just sit on me. But he always does it with like a little bit of a no like he's just annoyed that he even needs it. And I'm like, it's fine, dude. Just let it go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you like it. I they, like it. They it's don't funny. like to admit that they like it when you give them stuff. And yeah, um, because it's they're they're entitled, you know, they're the ultimate in, in entitlement culture. Yep. Yeah, they're the they're the Gen Z and millennials. I'm a millennial, yeah. but you know, whatever. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> they taught us how. So there's so I I hope you don't even mind, but I'm gonna ask you about uh, a bunch of stuff, but mostly your because I don't we never got to talk when when I did Fugal Sayings because we were just always talking politics and trying to solve mm -hmm. the world's problems. Um, mm -hmm. Which we did. We, we did. Yeah, it's all done. It's all done. Yeah, yeah, and you were <laughs> <laughs> you you carried a lot of that weight. Yes. So I we appreciate it. Um, people loved you, by the way. Like I, like I remember, like you know, because when they would tweet out the show, you know, mm. I would always get whatever, and like everybody that fucking commented was like, "We love Frank, TV's oh, Frank," like all awesome. all the time. And I was just like, "Oh my god, he's got a lot of love," uh, which must feel great. But um, I don't know, I don't know how you like when you got started in the in it, which is by, by the way, I know it's a very generic question, but I really don't know. Like I know, I know you from MST3K. Used to watch it all mm. the time. Um, which I always wanted to mention when I was in there, but always tried to keep it like chill. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, yeah. we're all professionals, everything's fine. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, but I don't know when you got started in like comedy and stuff. Well, I started, um, um, I attempted to do comedy in New York in the early 80s, um, mm -hmm. but I had a, um, uh, I had like a drug problem back then and it really got in my way of, of, doing the things that I wanted to do. So in 1980, mm -hmm. in 1985, I, I went to rehab in Minnesota where I'd never been before ever. The only thing I knew about the twin cities was the Mary Tyler Moore show. That was all I knew about it. Right. Uh, I, I'd never, but, but they have like a big uh, rehab um, 
community there. So um, I went there in um, October of 1985, and I went to uh, rehab. And, uh, and then I was in a halfway house for like three months after that. So then wow. like, like around the beginning of, uh, of 86, I, I got out and, um, I was, and, and I was like, and I liked Minneapolis, like right from the start. And I was like, you know what, I, uh, New York city has all the places I used to get in trouble at all, you know, and, and this has none of those things. So I'm just going to stay here for a while, see what happens. Wow. And and, uh, and and then I started doing stand up comedy again, and uh, in Minneapolis. In Minneapolis, yes. Wow. And and um, as luck would have it, um, Minneapolis, as many cities did um, in the eighties, that was the stand up com the comedy club boom. You know, Minneapolis mm. had like five full time comedy clubs, and it had an incredible stand up comedy scene of. Great talents like, uh, you know, Joel Hodgson, Liz Winstead, yeah. um, Jeff Cesario, um, uh, Louis Anderson, like, um, and and uh, like dozens of others that that you might not have heard of, but who were there and who were who were very funny. And um, Jeff's going to be on the show in a week. Oh well, he's we'll say hi to him for me. I please. will. But uh, so. Um, so then I just stayed there and I started doing comedy. And then um, unlike in New York where my personal problems were getting in my way and I wasn't making any traction in Minneapolis, like I started getting stage time right away and I started getting work right away. Um, and, um, and that was, you know, the, the Minneapolis uh, Twin Cities stand-up comedy scene. That's where I met uh, Mike Nelson and Trace Beaulieu and Joel Hodgson and Mary Jo Peel and wow. Bridget Jones and like so um, and Jay Elvis Weinstein who uh, who I replaced on Mystery Science Theater. Yeah, um, uh, So I knew all of them. And then when Josh left the show to come out to L.A., um, they were looking for a replacement, and uh, they just called me up and said, Do "You want the job?" I mean, it was as simple as that because they knew me. They knew. They thought I was funny, and they also knew that I was a film buff and that I had that kind of yeah. uh, kind of a pop culture sponge that was kind of required for that job. And it, it just all happened uh, very naturally. And like I said, I, my whole saga there is just, is just an example of just being really lucky, you know, and, and just, uh, you know, things working out. Yeah, th so... Was it was the pop culture thing kind of prevalent in your stand up back then too, or did you kind of keep it? Because you're, it, um, it was, it was, but I wasn't. It's not like I was doing like a lot of obscure references in my stand up back when I, when I, you know, when I was standing uh, in Minneapolis, I really uh, started um, doing stand up that was more personal, more based on mm. my, my my life and stuff. Uh, I wasn't really doing anything political back then at all. Yeah, and. Yeah. And, um, so, um, you know, so like when I'm on a stage in front of 300 people, like, uh, I don't really want to do an obscure reference that they don't get. I really want to make them fairly rather they yeah. laugh, you know, <laughs> and, uh, but like, as I've gotten older though, I, I think like in, uh, you know, actually when I moved to LA and, um, I started, you know, I moved to LA in, um, 1995. Yeah. Um, and that was like kind of 
another example of me just walking into a scene that, you know, that was like when the whole alternative comedy movement was starting and people weren't, at least a lot of people there in LA were, were kind of eschewing comedy clubs and, and doing uh, coffee houses and bookstores. And, right. and, and I got to be part of that whole. And so when that started happening, then I think I was a little more um, willing to, just do weird, obscure stuff because the audience is that that audience kind of like that kind of stuff. Right. You know? And did the you so you were in uh you were in MST3K in the nineties. Did that help you cultivate your own following then? Or were you just because you were still doing stand up when you were on the show, right? Uh yeah, you... although I didn't I, I it, at first <laughs> um the show really didn't help me build up a stand up following because um uh, in Minneapolis for a long time, like we weren't even on the cable system there, you know, right. um, the early days of cable were like, um, uh, you know, this, the era we're in now where like any cable use system you have will probably have comedy central, you know, that right. just wasn't the case back then. And, um, so it's much more, uh, of, of an underground thing. And actually the, the really surprising thing that happened is that um, we became much more famous after the show went off the air and, it, and then the internet uh, and people continued to watch it and it became more popular through the years. And now it's, it's um, now is when we're really cashing in, <laughs> <on> it, <you laughs> know, that, which is, honest, which is great. It's, it's such a, such a great thing. You know, that makes sense kind of too, yeah. because when I was a, uh, when I was a kid, when I was in high school, I worked at a Suncoast video that's dating everybody. Oh, uh, Suncoast. Sure. Yeah. I worked at a Suncoast and I worked at a Walden's uh, Walden books and they were uh, side by side and I would just change out of one and walk over to the other. <laughs> go back yeah. in between. Um, but I remember there, like, I remember when, um, uh, MST3K like had this cult following boom because we just had M like Mystery Science Theater shit all over the place. Yeah, and it was like yeah. the bottle of DVDs and stuff and like all the obscure episodes. Yeah, the, the and DVD box sets and stuff like they did really huge. well. They they yeah. were first Rhino put them out and then and then a lot of the people from Rhino I think went over to Shout Factory and then mm -hmm. and the, and now Mystery Science Theater is is owned by the the franchise is owned by Shout Factory now and they do a great job with it and they're yeah. really really great people and they really take good care of us you know right so, so that's that's been a great thing and you so, so you when you were on that show i was wondering because now that i know you a little bit better you're very quick you're very smart and you've got the pop culture vibe did you ever want to do like the the commentary did you ever feel like oh man i wish i was sitting in that theater well, doing all the puppets um i um you know it was I kind of uh, just enjoyed being able to write for the puppets and, yeah. and write for the hosts, and um, that that was that was satisfying. And also, the one thing about like um, like Trace Blue and Kevin Murphy, like I never envied how they had to sit there with their hands up, like holding, <laughs> like that just seemed like like I know knowing me, I know I would be so uncomfortable doing that. And um, it's puppeteering, which is a great art form. It, mm -hmm. it's, it's something that I never looked at as something I, I, I was interested in pursuing, you know. Right. So um, uh, and, and Trace and Kevin uh, were so were so good at it, you know. Yeah, they were. They were really good at it. I guess that helps because my uh, I always wonder, always, always ask comedians, you know, who are also wind up writing for a show, too, if they ever have like a conflict of like, man, I wish I was saying my joke 
the way I, cause I, when I was writing for people too, sometimes, you know, I had to stop watching when they would go on like certain shows because if I, if they butchered the joke or if they didn't get to say it, or if they delivered yeah. anything like that, I'd be like, fuck. Well, <laughs> you know? that, that became more of an issue for me as, as I worked, as I wrote on other television shows mm. um, where you're not, necessarily completely in sync with the sensibility of the host right. that, that you're trying to write for. You're trying to figure out what's the best kind of jokes for the uh, host or for the actors or for the characters uh, to do. On Mystery Science Theater, like we were all, in terms of our comedic sensibilities, we all were like so on the same page, you know? Uh, yeah, so you guys seem to if, well. if, Yeah, if I wrote a joke for, uh, for Crow... Um, or or um, Tom Servo or Mike or Joel, like I knew they would just nail it. I knew they would understand exactly what it was supposed to be. Right, and um, that was uh, never. I remember the the first time we did a, a live show was in Minneapolis, like you know, decades ago. And um, I remember uh, and Joel and Trace and Kevin were on stage, and we were showing a movie, and there was a packed audience. And I was sitting backstage, and the first joke was a joke I wrote, and it got a big laugh. And I remember just sitting backstage, just feeling so satisfied. Yeah, you know, like just feeling great that that uh, that something I wrote did well. It, I didn't necessarily have to be up there um, mm. getting. Although I am a total ham, and I love being, <laughs> I, I I love being the center of attention. But I also uh, there's something great too about working with other people who are great that you can that you right. can kind of co collaborate with you know yeah um yeah that, that's awesome and it, it did like I, I like when i'm watching a tv show and i can feel i feel like everybody else has the same sensibility and they're also having a good time when they're yeah, on it together yeah. i think the best the best shows whether it's um you know sctv or monty python oh. i i think you, you you always get that that vibe from yeah them. SETV, yeah. oh my god, that's so true. Yeah. They look—they all just looked like they were having a blast. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you went from Minneapolis to LA, and then eventually. So is the timeline a huge jump from there to New York? Well, I went to LA um, in like '95, '94, '95, and that's and when I, you left MST3K, right? Yeah, I was I was at MST for five seasons, and I was. I just kind of wanted to do something different and, and see if I could mm -hmm. write on other shows and cool, you know, so I did that. And, um, and then I was in, uh, I was in LA for a long time. I mean, for like, uh, you know, 17 years or something like that. And, um, and I, and I really liked it out there. And, um, but in the last few years, you know, um, uh, I was kind of looking for a job and, and the job offer that I got was from John Fugelsang in New York, who mm -hmm. was, he had, I don't know if you remember the current TV channel. It was, I like, was on it. Oh yeah. 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 And, and um, uh, he had a show there and he called me and said, Hey, if you want to write for me on the show, um, there's a job for you. And I was like, um, and I wasn't necessarily, anxious to leave LA or to move to New York. Uh, mm -hmm. but it was, it was a job and I was, and I, and I would, and bless, I knew I would love working with John. Yeah. So, so it was a very easy decision to make. And then once I moved back to New York, like now I've been back for like 10 years and I just, I, I just feel so comfortable being here now. Right. Uh, 
Uh, did you know John? When did you meet John? But prior to the, or, or was um, there... I met John? Um, I think we first met doing stand-up comedy, um, nice. just in just meeting each other in clubs. But uh, the first time I worked with him, he did a show um, uh, in L.A. Uh, for the TV Guide Channel, um, which I don't know if you remember. I don't know if that's still around, but it was like the top half was the show. And the bottom half was was a oh my god schedule. I do like remember the weird, that the weirdest thing. The yeah, schedule was going constantly. Right. Um, so you were only kind of on half of television, which is yeah. Weird. But um, he had a show there called uh, TV Water Cooler, which was just like kind of uh, you know they'd interview people from TV shows, um, and and then we there'd be sketches and there'd be jokes. So um, I got hired to write on that and 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 his co-host on that show Teresa Strausser mm. is is another really good friend of mine one of my closest friends and uh so so I worked on that and that was like kind of the first time I worked with John and and uh that that was uh uh you know really fun and then like I said when he when he got this show on current tv uh he he asked me to come you know and then yeah. later and then later when uh, he got on Sirius um he like the first day he said hey do you want to come down and be a guest and i'm like okay and then i just never left <laughs> i just kept coming in every day and then they were fine with it you know so that's that, fantastic uh, yeah that's great uh you're like milton in office space where they're like just giving you checks for no reason like what the yeah. fuck is going on there's a cot in there. That's cool. I remember. See, that's the craziest thing. I do remember the TV guide shows when I would when I would use the uh, guide channel or whatever. And then I remember, obviously, current TV is the one that sticks in my mind, and that's the most recent thing to me. Before Sirius, but then there was another show. Did you write? <clears throat> he, um, I can't think of what it was, but I remember it was he interviewed Bill Maher on it. Can't remember the show, but it was a part. It was a two parter. But the second part never aired. And I think John told me later that they were like, yeah, because it got canceled in between. <laughs> oh, I don't one. know if I was a, a part of that. I don't remember that. Okay. I think it was like right before. It was it was so funny because I was like jumbling all well, the, he was all the on, shows together. Um, before John's current show, he um, he was on CNN a lot. You know, he was a regular. He was that. That was like the uh, 2000, um, either 2012 i think because that was um the year mitt romney um the year mitt romney was the was the republican oh, nominee yeah. and and john was um was a regular on soledad o'brien's morning show and this give you an idea of how different cnn was that they would have someone as awesome as soledad o'brien on their network back then right of course she's not there anymore but um she, he was a, and, and Mitt Romney's campaign manager was on and, and John asked him a question and the answer he gave was, well, well, John asked him like, how will your campaign be different uh, after you get the nomination in the fall as opposed to mm -hmm. the primaries? And the campaign manager said, well, it'll be like an Etch-a-Sketch, you know, we'll just shake it. And and that was, I don't know if you remember, that was like a huge story yes. at the time. It was gigantic. Yeah. And, uh, and John is the one who asked the question that prompted that. But that was that was just a few months, I think, before he ended up on uh, with the current TV show. Yeah. Oh, the current TV show. Wow. Yeah. 
It's it is crazy how they went from Soledad O'Brien to fucking Chuck Todd. I know. Like, I know. like the when you just said that, it reminded me of Soledad being on there. I just I got so fucking sad just now. Yeah, <laughs> that's insane. So then it was wow. And then you went to Sirius. Then you said you never left. That's crazy. You have a very, like I like that you're, you're well until they asked me to leave finally a few years later. Well, I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Do you are you allowed to talk about that? Yeah, I, I can. I mean, it's... please, because I was on, like, I love. So, I mean, I've been on. I think I've been doing it for three, four years, like twice a month or whatever. Uh... And every time I was there, you were there. And then there were there were days where John was gone, and you guest hosted, and I was on, and we had a blast, right? And uh, and then all of a sudden, I came in one day, and you were fucking gone. Yeah, and then I was like, and then I came in another time, and I was like, what the fuck happened to Frank? And then, yeah, people text messages were sent, and. Yeah, uh, I, well, what, what what happened was um, uh, Chris Christie, the former that governor of shit. Yeah, I know. So, I, I live. He, yeah, he's my. I I fucking hate that guy. Well, I what I got in trouble for was was mostly before I got in trouble. When I would talk about Chris Christie, it would be to do really crude fat jokes and to fat shame him, <laughs> um, and uh, that never got me in trouble at all. Right, um, but. Um, but when he was coming in to um, uh, promote his book, and I just, I just, and he was on every serious show, and it was a big deal, and yeah. I just like was so not cool with it, like just yeah. treating, treating this guy with respect, like he's a pundit that we need to hear from. Like I was just so opposed to the whole thing, and um, and there was a poster in the lobby of Sirius. Uh, with his picture and he was like in the um, fishbowl there doing an interview with someone. And, um, mm -hmm. uh, uh, and I, uh, I took a picture of it and then I posted it on Twitter and I said, it's um, I think I said, it's fucking piece of shit Friday here at, uh, <laughs> at uh, Sirius XM. And like, I, I, I was, being provocative because I tagged Sirius XM in the, so in other oh. words, I was like, I was kind of going out of my way to let them know. Um, and then like the next day I was fired. So I fucking love that though. Yeah. I didn't know that. I, I, yeah. I, I had heard like it was a couple, like it was like a Chris Christie thing or whatever, but I love yeah. that you did. That's a me move. Like I would like, I feel like every now, this is by the way, this is Tom, my producer, Tom, this every now and again, I mean, this is, this is just what we're doing for whatever, but every now uh -huh. and then I, I, I swear to God, I'll say something about somebody on here. And Tom's just like, you maybe want to not. And I'm like, I don't care. Right. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. But that's great that you tagged serious in the fucking tweet. That's hilarious. Yeah. And, um, and I heard about it like Jorge, who I, you know, he was the producer yeah, of yeah. our show. Great guy he heard from them immediately and said frank you might want to take that down um and then i did take it down because i didn't want to get him in trouble and john in trouble um but it was too late for me though i was yeah I no was, i hear you was, do you, do you feel okay about it i mean like not like because i i wrestle with that sometimes like i have a so we're i have a um a series uh i did a short film called dup it and it's about uh, uh, a depression. I got to send it to you sometime, by the way. But um, mm -hmm. you're like, please don't. I don't want to watch anything. <laughs> <laughs> like, not one more short film. It's 11 minutes, so it's fine. So anyway, it's about depression, and it's and it's got a puppet in it. And but we call mm -hmm. it Dupit because it's a depression puppet. But we got a um a thing with Henson before COVID started, mm -hmm. and then my writing partner was like, hey, um when things pick back up, he's like, will you uh, delete all the stuff you said about uh 
the police and like your PLM stuff. And I was like, no. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, well, absolutely not. Well, well, that's the thing too is, um, yeah, you're, you know, the things you put on Twitter can get you in trouble. And I was actually, yeah. I was talking to Fugel saying, um, because, and this, I, this just kind of points to the hypocrisy of a lot of stuff because, um, like when Alec Trebek died, like the first person I thought of who would be a great, um, would be a great, oh, is that Millie? Are you okay with my cat? Anyway, um, I for half a second I was like, Do you yeah. have a baby? Yeah, no, I think she's not feeling too good, but uh, but anyway, um, uh, Oh, 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 yeah. That um, I, I said to John, I said, you know, John Fugelsang was my immediate thought. He would be the perfect new host of Jeopardy. He would be so good on it. And I said that to John, mm-hmm. and he and he said, you know, with my history of political tweets, they're never going to hire me. And he's probably right about that. But then this week, they had as their guest host uh, Doctor Oz, yeah, who, who's like this grifter. Who, who spread false information about COVID and stuff, and yet it's it's okay for him to be uh, to be the guest host of Jeopardy, you know? Yeah. So that, that just shows how how full of shit these people, people are. One hundred percent, dude. And that's the thing. That's one of the reasons why I said like uh, I won't delete some of that stuff because I. You know, one, I, I feel like it would be hypocritical of me to do it, and I do wrestle with that kind of stuff because I'm like, you know, I understand how things work. You know, I understand some things people are not going to want to back or whatever, but also I got to be true to who I am anyway. You know right, what I mean? Like, right, and yeah. I and I feel like we're on the right. You know, I, I it, it seems like common sense shit to me. You know, mm-hmm. like you know, uh, support BLM. You know, all that other stuff. And like, yeah, you're 100 percent right about Doctor Oz. And we just did a I did a thing recently. Tom knows, but we have a, a guy on our our channel who's a, a good friend or whatever. But he, you know works for Dr. Oz. And I said some shit about what you just said to that extent. Cause I know he peddles these diet fucking pills and right. all that other crap. And I feel like I'm not, not saying anything that's not true. Like if, right, if we're right, going to bring yeah. up the guy, you know, own it. Like that's all you can do. Exactly. Exactly. And, and it, but yeah, that bothered me when Dr. Oz was fucking on the hosting that fucking show too. It kills mm. me that we have to pedal to that kind of shit too. Cause like Chris Christie fucked over. I mean, my mom was a state employee for years uh-huh. and uh, you know, he was, he was unmercifully unkind to state employees and their benefit, you know, benefits or whatever. She was there for 25 years. Her healthcare got mm-hmm. slashed um, and to teachers. And a lot of my friends yeah. are teachers in this state and to, to fucking pretend that what he says has any weight to it kills me. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's, um, uh, you know, and he left. He left New Jersey with the lowest um, polls of any politician in the history. Yeah. Of and yet no, he's uh, he's on uh, like ABC every week, and they ask him his wisdom on what what <laughs> uh, what Biden should do to to be pot. And he's like, "Why would you ask him? He has no idea." It's crazy. I, yeah. it, it's so disheartening too because it's like I think about this all the time and like the amount of work the American public has. To, like you and I, like I feel like dive into pol- political stuff and and mm. like we we enjoy doing the research behind it and going this site's bullshit, this site's not, you know, whatever. But like average people, it's so fucking. I mean, I, I say average, I don't mean like we're extraordinary. But you know what I mean? Right, people who yeah. are just doing their thing. I forgot you, know, you were superheroes. Go on. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we are. Frank and I have our own capes and we fight crime at night. Um, we're uh, You should see our Snyder cut. It's great. 
So uh, <laughs> eight, eight hours long. Yeah. <laughs> there were some scenes, by the way, in that movie that I was like, that was pretty good. If it didn't take four fucking days to get to it, yeah, that was exactly. a good scene. Exactly. Um, yeah. But uh, but like, you know, for for people who don't consume the news the way we do, uh-huh. it's it. How, how are they supposed to get the right fucking information? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. It's totally. insane. And that's why I don't I don't always like I try to remind myself not to fault people for, you know, buying into BS or like not knowing which direction to go with some stuff, because, you know, again, look at the look at you said before, CNN, Soledad O'Brien. And now we're at Chuck Todd level. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah. Or the other people that are there. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm a little distracted. I have to clean up my cat's puke. My no, cat it's just, fine. My cat nope. just threw up. You know, it's crazy. I knew exactly yeah. what you were doing. As a uh-huh. cat owner, as soon as you got up with a roll of paper towels, I was like, oh, he's going to clean up puke. Yeah. <laughs> Although I do love the shirt, Fangoria. Yes. Right? Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. That's um, uh, I got it. it I did a um, this uh, film festival upstate New York with Dana Gould, and, they, and I got this. Oh. Uh, it, was, it was a great thing. His That's new fun. show is fantastic, Oh, it's, it's a, Yeah, it's really great. It's hilarious. Um, so I got to ask, though, how have you been holding up through the through the pandemic and stuff? I mean, you haven't been able to go out. I know you're like me. You're not going out doing stand up randomly. Uh, no, I'm not. And I've um, I've just um, been uh, the only time I go out is I go out to get groceries and I, I go and I go for a walk every day, which is very helpful. Oh, nice. Yeah, I go um, for bike rides and stuff, but not. Um, but uh, um. Uh, what I uh, um, the thing that's helped me more than anything that that makes me such a lucky person is that Trace you and, and I have been doing the we we were doing live shows of mm-hmm. movie of our movie riffing show the Mads are back yeah and um, that all went away because we did we performed in movie theaters and stuff and you know that mm-hmm. all stopped and and then so. So we we started doing them online as monthly shows, and they've been very successful. And so that's that's been for me just a, a, a huge blessing, you know. Yeah, that's and you have the, your your new podcast that you do. See, that's another thing too is like I I started the podcasting thing a little uh, maybe like by around Thanksgiving, right, Tom? I think we all started doing it, yeah, and then yeah, it felt fine. good. But like my friends and I had already been t- doing this like virtually and stuff like that, so that helps. A little bit too um mm. but i miss the i do miss the stand-up but not enough to pretend uh that shit's not going on you know yeah i mean i miss it but i'm you know i i'll i'll go back when it when it's you know when it's all clear to go back i'll go back but same not not before then i mean you know you've got like Chappelle doing shows in texas and then he right. gets covid you know i it's know like, it's like you should it, and it's also sets a bad example when people do that kind of stuff. I, I agree too. I mean, like it, it's crazy to me because I think the misconception is like if Chappelle gets COVID, Chappelle has the money to battle COVID effectively. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, I mean, I, I have a, a friend who died a few weeks ago. She and I started stand up together. She was being safe. And when she got it, it was by happenstance and, and she wasn't doing mm-hmm. anything reckless and, I mean, she went the next day. Oh, and it that's was, awful. Yeah. And Sorry. it was, and it's like, yeah, it's, it's terrible. And it's like, but I just don't think people see that. And I don't want to be like, you know, as much as I want to go back out on the road and I want to do what I enjoy, I don't want to have people coming to see me thinking it's okay. You know what I mean? Like 
Because yeah. every time you loose loosen like a little bit of a restriction like that, you're just basically telling people it's okay, and then they yeah. and then they think it's okay to do another. I think thing. we we just have to be patient. I mean, there's a light at the end of the tunnel now, and yeah, we just have to um, just continue to be really careful. I I, I got my first vaccine. Oh, um, nice. My my second one is coming up in about a week or so. So oh, that's you know, awesome. So hopefully. Um, by the summer, you know, I think you'll be out licking people. And well, (laughs) (laughs) I think that the the fall is probably more realistic in terms of things being sort of back to normal. And, and, and I don't think everything will really be back to normal probably till next year. Right. Yeah. I I agree. Yeah. I I think it kind of bums me out. Very in for a penny in for a pound. If it's like people don't, uh, there's no like, I can do this one thing without being totally out. And if you do, it's almost like you have, to, you have to convey that, no, 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 this is an exception to the norm. It's not that you'll see me like this all the right, time. Right, right. Right. People don't grasp, they don't grasp that enough. Like if they see you out, they're like, oh, I see you're out now. I'm like, no, that was, I'm a godfather to this kid. So I attended the church with a mask on. I'm like, that's not me going to a club or going to, right, you know, right. Or going, yeah, to spring, going to spring break. Exactly. Oh my god, the spring bake people. I've I've so uh I'm fucking it's hilarious because it's almost like a uh uh I never I use this word loosely, blessing uh that I just don't have to go to people's weddings anymore and if they insisted on having them, I'm like, "Oh my god, I don't have to talk to you anymore either. This is a great fucking day." <laughs> like yeah. you're a scumbag and I don't have to attend your wedding. Yeah. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I feel like uh it's i know it's hard for a lot of people but i feel like like you said there's that light at the end of the tunnel i'm waiting for and if, if my mom you know when my mom gets a vaccine then i'll worry about when i'm gonna get one and yeah um and the rest is you know it'll fall in i just hope we don't go back to like i feel like it's gonna be a real bummer if we wind up you know uh when they say back to normal if it winds up going back to 2019 behavior you know what i mean mm-hmm. like if we haven't learned anything from it and then we wind up just settling back into our old, because that's what I feel sometimes. Like I'm being dragged through life by morons. Well, yeah, <laughs> but you know what? Like, um, like after nine eleven, like people thought the world was really going to change, and, and yeah, and then it really didn't. You know, I mean, yeah. and and America now, I think um, nothing, nothing really gets through to people. I mean, uh, you know, we have mass shootings every week and, and I know, and, and they, sometimes they barely get reported, you know? So, yeah. um, it's, um, I think, I think some things will be different, um, after the pandemic, but I, I think it'll be in ways we can't really predict yet. Yeah. You know, I know I'm going to probably still, uh, when I go to stores, I'm probably going to still wear a mask for a long time, you know? And yeah, it's going to be be like in um, like I was in Tokyo once, and and you know you go on the subway there, and like a third of the people are wearing masks, and and mm-hmm. it's in that culture, if you have a cold, you put on a mask, and it's yeah. it's like a sign of respect to everyone else that um, if 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 you went to your workplace and you were sneezing and you didn't have a mask on, people were like, what? Yeah. Be like, why are you being such a jerk? You know, so um, so so there are societies that already are there, and I think um, I think that's something I'm going to try to be more cognizant of in the future. Is just, right. and I'll probably when I go to the grocery store, I'll probably keep wearing a mask even after the pa- the pandemic is over. Yeah, same. I mean, it does. It makes more sense now, yeah. especially. Uh, 
And the, and the other thing too is like we we do live in a society that for some reason like I remember this even when I was young and I was working in like retail and shit. It's like we like hold people on a pedestal who come in to work when they're fucking sick. And it's yeah. like I've never I could never wrap my head around that shit. I'm like yeah. you're not a hero. I'm touching the same phone as you. That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's you know it's all backwards. It, it totally is. Um, so, uh, can you tell me a little bit about your podcast with Irene before we were almost we oh, yeah, 10 it's, minutes left? And then it's, it's called uh, Mother uh, May I Podcast with Irene and Frank. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just an hour every week. It's live, it's two in the afternoon on Tuesdays. Nice. And uh, we just have one of our friends on and we have a hour long conversation. You know, that's the whole thing. And it's just yeah. pretty fun. And you know, I'm not familiar with that platform. and uh sometimes we give out some good information and stuff and we had a whole show about uh grief the other day um and uh it's it's just fun you know irene is a person that i really became friends with through the john fugelsang show i was gonna ask when you met her yeah Yeah, you met her through john's show well i met her uh doing stand-up but um but uh i really got to know her because she came on the show a lot you know that's cool yeah, yeah, it's a it's a fun show, man, and uh, I'm, I wish you luck with it, and uh, I and hope you do the. Find it? Yeah, uh, like where can we go to find it? I think we... all of your basic. Uh, if you go to my um, Twitter and and Irene Irene Bremis um, on Facebook, and um, and it's it's available on all the platforms. So you know. Okay. Uh, um, Carol Montgomery says hi, by the way. Oh, hi, Carol. I love Carol. Yeah. <laughs> Talked to her Carol yesterday. Carol is the best. She is the best. I told her uh, you were coming on uh, yesterday. She told me to tell you. She says hi. I love um, her. Yeah, she's she's awesome. That's another yeah. thing, too, man. This is just good because I you get to see people that you haven't seen in a while, too. So you're right, shooting right. shit. Yeah. Um, well, that's great, dude. Well, thank you so much, man, for for coming on and making the time for me. And, uh, I, you know, I miss seeing you on, uh, on Sirius and stuff. So uh, hopefully... Yeah. Uh, I'll get to see you more on the road maybe in the future. I hope so. I hope we're all um, spreading germs with each other soon in the future. <laughs> That'd be beautiful. What a, yes. what a nice future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dystopia tonight.